Fucking CNN off the TV, would you please? That shit. No bullshit. Oh my, let's just end breaking news. No more bullshit. Get it no off there. No bullshit. Get the fucking cable news out of the no bullshit news hour studio. It's the only channel that works. I can't take it, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Cases are going up. Panic. Just wear your fucking mask. <laughs> it works or not, it makes everybody feel better. Pretty simple. Stop stabbing each other. Which camera am I on? You're on that one. Right there. Welcome in, everybody. <laughs> July 17, 2020. Facebook Live, no bullshit news. I brought to you by our friends from American Coney Island, Detroit's <laughs> oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Dog, Chili Mustard and Vidalia Onions. Downtown at the corner of Lafayette and Michigan Avenue. Can't miss it. It's the red, white, and blue building shaped like a slice of pie that I maintain. And I don't know where this thing's going, whether we're going to get locked down again. But always remember, remember, you can get a Kona kit sent to your door, a loved one's, all 50 states. You go to AmericanConeyIsland.com and we will get it out to you. Send in a note. I'll pack it personally. I'll do that. Nice. Yes, I will. You autograph it, Charlie. Everybody wants a signed I'll do hot it. dog. I, I, I'll, hey, I'll, I'll sign your wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll slice your onions, baby. Well, um, it's happened again, Mark. Karen, it's happened again. What now? Hall Financial wants you to no know no that way. mortgage rates are at a new all-time low this week. They can't go any lower. They're keeping going lower. And that's why so many people are refinancing right now. Lower your monthly payments and put the money in your pocket. Low rates mean value. So if you're on the market for that new home, remember, Hall Financial Services is the fastest in the business. Get your mortgage in half the time of their competitors. And virtual appraisals can be done without someone stepping foot inside your home. Very important, Mark. Beautiful. Why CNN still on? This is, uh, this is uh, CNBC. Get it off. This doesn't count? Oh, no. Turn to PBS, Mark. We're Make money, not by watching CNBC. Make money by saving money. Uh, Sesame Street, there you go. There we go. It's, it's, it's higher calorie content. <laughs> you learn more. Live how you want, people. Call 248-308-5000 or go to davidhallmortgage.com. NMLS number 1467-435. 5000 Now. Great show coming today. Really, it's not a show. It's a broadcast. Mm -hmm. Y'all out there must know that Rick Worshey, a.k.a. White Boy Rick, is to be re released from a Florida prison. Is it Monday or Tuesday? Uh, I thought it was Monday. I think it's Monday. After more than three decades behind bars for distribution of cocaine. Goes in sure. as a teenager, and he's doing life for a nonviolent felony. It's fucking weird. It's a bizarre story of a white teenage kid in the black Detroit dope scene includes corrupt city officials and conniving federal agents. And joining us, I'm really happy because this is a journalist that I respect. Yeah. Scott Bernstein, one of America's top crime writers and producer of the White Boy Rick, a documentary. It's awesome. Go to Amazon.com. and watch. It's really good. It was Bernstein's work that got the ball rolling 
ultimately leading to the release of White Boy this Monday. Mm -hmm. Plus, comedian Detroit Red takes to the streets and asks Detroiters, do you want more police or less police? Detroit Red doing the real. And can Black Lives Matter protests continue without more black lives involved in them? That's what we're going to do. Great question. Uh-huh. Now, first some news. Before we get to the news, quick wardrobe change. Uh-oh. Oh, oh man. Right there. That's exciting. More flashing. Oh, wait, off camera? Why are you off camera? Because I'm saving it for next week when Manscaped <laughs> comes on as their new sponsor. Mark, he's going to steal some of your week. fans away. Yeah, we got, we got a bunch. Always. Oh, I like that shirt. That's a great shirt. The shit. It's a good shirt. Little Solid plug, shirt. Little plug for Fix the Shit. You go to Drew and Mike Store. Dot com get them let's start a movement all monies will go towards helping people of our choice no foundations no charities we're going to help people help people bury their loved ones get a kid that we know but uh, oh young guy i know kid in my documentary i've been making right yeah oh yeah he's out no there bottom. struggling in detroit trying to keep alive man graduated high school and he started Working at a marketing firm. Really? That's great, Charlie. Is this the same young man that you were dealing with some time ago? Is this because you helped so many people? But Yeah, I met him when he's 16. He's now 18. He lost his two best friends to gun violence. Yep. He made it. Now. Now what? He lives on the far east side of Detroit. He never had the money to take a driving test or driving school. What's he going to do? How's he going to get there? Right. We're going to help him. Fix the okay. shit. We're gonna help the young man fix his shit. Cause he got, yes, we will. He's everything we want our kids to be. Yeah, his kids going places. So let's help him get there. And he's and that's he's great, helping. Charlie. Congratulations. To him. That's good, Jordan. I'm proud of you, bro. Gonna have him on. Yeah, sounds like he's fixing his own shit too, which is right. good. Look, we yeah, got there are works. there are in this country flowers grow on every corner. They just need water. We don't got to argue about that. We all want our kids to do well. Yep. So, uh, ah. Amen. All right. So this little segment here for you all out there, ladies and gentlemen, in the Michigan area, we have to do this to show you how all of these pieces plug in and how it affects you. So bear with us and, and get educated here. Maddie Maroon died this week. Maddie Maroon was a gas pump jockey who made himself into a billionaire owner of the Ambassador Bridge. He died at 93 of natural causes. Maroon, who counted Jimmy Hoffa as a friend, was a reclusive, bare-knuckled, old-school businessman who came to much infamy for the dereliction of his properties, including the train station. We all hated him for that. Maroon built an economic empire not on hockey teams or pizzas or mortgages, but steel and trucks, um, real estate and toll collecting. He became one of the richest men in America. The guy crushed competitors, bruised egos, sired powerful enemies. He bought the legislature. He bent it to his will. The Canadian government, the American government, the governor of Michigan, the media, ordinary people, even priests I talked to said he put profit over people and tagged him with the title of slumlord, monopolist, and mobster. He rarely gave interviews, and I believe he gave me his last. Do we have a little bit of that? Here we go. Yep. They call you a devil. 
that you own ghettos, that you won't, you won't fix that train station, that you're selfish. It's about Manny Maroon and let him rot. That's, in, that's, in the, that's the propaganda. The truth is there's a hundred buildings like me in, in Detroit, like the train station that are empty. I got one of the hundred and I'm getting vilified, not because of the train station. That's a ruse. It's because Canada wants to own the bridge. Is that really why he was so vilified? Because Canada, because of the bridge thing? Or is it strictly because he had the biggest sore blight, uh, the thing that everybody sees coming into Detroit from the west was the central train depot? Is that why he was so vilified? Karen? I think it was because that became a symbol of struggle for the city of Detroit. And because it seemed as though he disregarded its impact from a perception standpoint, from a reality standpoint, was kind of like patting his behind in Detroiters face saying, hey, I don't care what this does, what this looks like or what this means. So I think that was the source of the vilification for uh, the Maroons. Yeah. I do. Yeah, he was a look, he was old school. He the mob. He grew up with the mob. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason he was friends with Jimmy Hoffa, right? He's in trucks. He's into the bridge. The guy didn't give a fuck. He's old school, all right? So as Detroit slides, we're looking at that building mm -hmm. as the centerpiece of our destitution. It's the front porch of Detroit. Yeah, it's the money shot in the porno film yeah. that is our ruin, right? Yeah. But the thing is, I make no excuses for the guy. No matter what anybody says, the guy... Let me in and let me know his global strategy. He bought that building after it had been looted. It was closed in 88. I mean, I remember yeah. people pulling the bronze doors off the shed, right? He bought it in 92. He didn't buy it as a speculative property. He bought it for the train tracks Underneath. behind it yeah. and the tunnel that goes to Canada behind that because he saw NAFTA. He bought the bridge. It was publicly traded. In the early 70s, he bought out Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. So he's going to make his money, and no one's going to stop him. And he did board up properties. He did let neighborhoods go to hell. He did it in Canada. He did it in the United States. There is a segment in that interview you did with him, which is available on YouTube if anybody wants to watch the whole interview. But he says there, he says, he always put the public interest above his own. And I just don't know if I believe that. No. Did you did you believe it when he said it? I, I don't think any billionaire, you don't get a billion dollars. I was going to say, you, don't, you don't become a billionaire by putting people over profit. That just doesn't happen. I mean, you're not going to find a billionaire anywhere, in my opinion, who's um, realized that level of success doing the right thing. Now, I didn't know him, but my issue from where I sit and watching everything and reading about it is not so much the Central Train Depot it's the bridge and holding up the other bridge. Yeah. Well, now here's what I know. That other bridge is from the get-go is going to lose money. Going to lose money. There's mm -hmm. not enough traffic, if you do the math, to support it. The Canadian people are going to front all the money, and they're going to pay for the overruns. We'll never see a dime. Mm -hmm. right? I don't know what's in it for Detroit. Do we get new plazas? Do we get a new intermodal yard where the trucks you know, transfer goods? If Coleman Young was running this shit, you're not putting another bridge unless my people get something. All we're going to get is smog. We wouldn't get more traffic? We're going to get traffic. 
We but wouldn't get more people coming through? Would they choose that entry point over you, another you entry point? You don't stop in Detroit when you got a, a, a trailer <laughs> tractor full of TVs, dude. True, you true. don't do it. So where's our longshoremen jobs? Yeah. Where's the guarantee? I'd, I could give a shit. Put a bridge in. Creates jobs, right? Mm-hmm. But what about the long-term jobs? That's what I was always looking at. So doesn't matter to me, but that's one billionaire. He's on the pedestal of you're the biggest asshole billionaire ever. But what about our new billionaires? What maybe, ab- maybe they're not out in front of our face as much. Well, let's look at Illich. Oh, neither was Maroon. Let's, now let's go to Illich. Didn't you buy up Midtown, board it up, y'all remember, for a decade? Fucking shooting then? Yeah. Man, it's fucked up. To lower the price. To lower the, the price. He admitted it, to lower the price. And then you build a hockey arena with public money coming from the schools... Right? Yeah. Coming from the schools, and you don't, you don't pay anything back after promising us the world. So did Maroon ever take public money? No. He just did it. Look at this class of billionaire. So, yeah. what, we got a Stanley Cup we can't criticize? Well, Stanley Cup makes people feel good. Yeah, exactly right. But it I makes think people now, forget. <laughs> yeah, and now that the team sucks and everybody's been to LCA once or twice, now we want answers as to what about everything else you were promising us? Why are there so many parking lots here, which cost way too much, by the way, and they're, to park there? And that shit's not coming. Look it's at the never economy. coming. He, it, it was a bait and switch. So he was a smart motherfucker. Oh, yeah. No, I. you know what? He's no, he's no nun. Chris Illich is no nun. He's, he's making his money. Yeah, and I don't blame him. And honestly, I don't blame Maroon for doing what he did. I mean, that's his job. I, anybody that had the ability in the position that he had would do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And so Maroon was well known for spreading money around the, the state legislature. Mm-hmm. That's what Illich did. That's what Gilbert did. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more mad at the legislature. Our the, representatives. Always. Well, i got to go back into the other shirt here. Oh, ooh. You Charlie, guys, uh, is this like, like an awards show, uh, but you're supposed to have some, I guess, a little more, if I find a, a better point to change in, Charlie, not just in the middle of the conversation. You're waiting for a transition point. Fix the shit. Are you okay. going to ask him who he's wearing? <laughs> who are you wearing, Charlie? Oh, so you can get this on the, on the, on the uh, DrewAndMikeStore.com. No bullshit. Yeah, everybody's asking where can they get the shirts, Charlie. They want to know. They want Mike, one. They love it. DrewAndMikeStore.com. A, a father said, hey, dude, can you fix the fix I the shit? I saw that, yeah. Because a guy wants his kids to wear fix the shit, but he doesn't want to say shit. He wants to. I know. I, well, it's funny because I wear that shirt a lot, and I wear it around my six-year-old who's starting to read. So I don't know how long I'll be able to lie to her about it. And I had it on in this neighborhood, and Drew has some uh, elderly neighbors nearby, and I'm walking out. How you doing, guys? Waving. And then I come in, I'm like, Sure. Maybe they like it because uh, wow. I was maybe last week when uh, the police uh, dropped a guy in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Not came too far away. I went from here right yeah. out there, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing the fix this shit. And I don't know the young cops, the new ones. And <laughs> I was looking like some kind of radical walking up, <laughs> kind of like, look, looking at me getting ready. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Uh, I think brother? it's a very kind. No, no, Charlie. With all of those protesters, you were almost kind of fitting in. They were like, oh, this is another white dude from the suburbs that's coming to support BLM down in Detroit. Well, now you're getting all racist on me. Another white dude. So the, Ask me about myself, and I'll tell you a long, complicated story. So the new billionaires also includes Dan Gilbert. Who's, who, by the way, it, it's a fact now. He settled for fraud on his mortgages after the collapse. He was sued many times before. Multi-million dollar settlements on his subsidiaries, Amrock, his group of companies. Three quarters of a billion. 
for stealing proprietary technology, right? That's, that's a jury settlement. That's not me. So now Gilbert, the news is, is going to sell a piece of, he's going to go public. Yeah, IPO. I, mm -hmm. IPO. Uh, uh, initial public offering. I mean, he's going to be a publicly traded company. Before, when he was private, he didn't have to answer to anybody. He didn't have to show you how he was moving money around. The local papers would tell you this is the this could be the greatest thing because a quote a quote here. You just listen, folks. Here's the point. Dan Gilbert can continue his real estate spending spree on Detroit if his mortgage behemoth goes public as planned and continue it in a more robust fashion if he so chooses. <laughs> what? So let's get this. See, Quicken Loans makes about nine hundred million a year. They sell mortgages. They resell them. They package them. Yep. They sell bonds. That's what they do. He's got 100 companies. They're all private. The real estate portion, this is where it matters to us. The real estate, bedrock, that portion will not be included in the public offering. That will remain private. Meaning, why? if, if this comeback was so real, if these properties are so highly valued, why wouldn't you put a highly valued piece into this mean. offering. Because it lowers the value of of the mortgage arm. Meaning nobody wants probably that real estate. not yeah. worth what we've been, been bullshitted yeah. into. Because right. yeah. this isn't, I'm just offering you an alternative to the fluff you're getting so you can make rational decisions out there. Because I called Wall Street. I've got friends at Morgan Stanley, at Deutsche Bank. You know what I mean? Sure. Always in Wall Street, an IPO is the cash out. It's right you uh, to grow or to cash out at the point where where Rocket or wh whatever the name is now at this point it's to cash out for him. That would I mean, be a cash out IPO yeah. for growth is earlier. Is earlier game. on this a is start late in the game for growth for them. Sure, so it all indication would be he he's done, and I wouldn't blame him considering the health problem that he's had recently and his age. Yeah, why well, not? not why say, not cash let's out? Not, let's not say he's done. Well. He's only selling 20%, but if you were to sell 49%, it looks like a fire sale. Plus, yeah. you want your wife involved. She's now going to be on the board where she starts to understand the business. So what happens with Bedrock then? Uh, the, the real estate? The aren't? real estate, yeah. That's the interesting part. Again, we're being fed a line. Well, Dan's going to fund it from his newfound wealth. But why would he do that when Quicken Loans would already do it and funnel money into it? Well, the final line is if he chooses, which I don't know why he would, why he would choose then to so, do that. So here's where it's at. If you want to believe this, then you're being led to believe, don't worry, you little person looking to make your store that you've worked so hard to save for, real estate's not going to go down in Detroit. It's only going to go up. So you should buy in now, right? Mm -hmm. That's what that's saying. But what if... That's not the case. What you have to know about uh, commercial real estate, and especially office commercial real estate, it's in the uh, shitter. Yeah, Karen can speak more to that. Well, no, I mean, but you got to also think, too, not just even prior to COVID, but COVID is making it even, even worse. Um, you know, people are now starting to see that they don't need that type of uh, commercial space anymore for occupancy for their business. People don't have to come in. So it's going to take an even deeper dot. But, you know, there have been investors that come through uh, here looking for properties and their whole thing is where are the people? I mean, I've always said we're overbuilt and underoccupied. So we've got the space, but there's no occupancy. There's no population. 
and that drives the value and and there is none so let me let me here's a player i talk to a lot right sent me this here's here's her thinking and i i must say i agree with it so after three years at the hudson site yeah which we cut a check for 250 we the people of michigan and it'll cost us 650 million by the time we're done paying for it and i don't think he has to give it back <laughs> whether he builds it or not yeah because i've read the covenant and yeah. I, I didn't see it she writes so after three years of pushing dirt around in a hole uh she says lies i'll say you know little white lies and delays on the eve of all the quick in head honchos waiting to get rich on their ipo a pair of cranes show up to build hype for their hudson's hole and the local media and desperate folks lap it up Smoke and mirrors bullshit to build hype for the IPO. Let me know when they have 600 to 1,000 construction workers down there working 24-7 like the FCA had at the New Jefferson Jeep plant. Amen. Mr. Gilbert is in a wheelchair. He's wildly successful. I don't hate him. But I'm, my job, my now life's mission is to be part of this community and offer you an alternative before you make a hasty economic decision. That's all. I love this community. I want it to do really well. And the first thing that you need is real information. Yeah. And, and I'm not even, once again, not angry at him. It's a smart, uh, it's a smart move to put cranes down there to not do anything. Maybe it's the, uh, well, I mean, it's a photo op, you yeah. know I mean? Because it, everything's been so quiet for so long. So, I mean, and, and Mark, you agreed prior to this going on. It's like, okay, it makes sense. You see the photo op, you drive the IPO. Okay. Something's happening. Everybody already thinks or believes that, you know, Gilbert always has some inside information or that he knows something. Certainly his success is reason for people to listen to him. It just, it sets it off in a different manner. And again, so. I just want more skepticism in the news when they're doing the story on it. I mean, you've talked before about the watercolors. Yeah. And how it's going to look and it's going to look pretty and nobody believes that anymore. Same with the hockey arena. Yeah. I mean, I told you so. All I'm saying is let's, we got to get real now. This is a time to get real. And I'm not saying, and I never said they won't build something. But I told you it wasn't going to be 900 feet. I told you it wasn't going to be 700 feet. Just, and I told you there's no financing. Just want some balance. So. Uh, you know, not to be a mouthpiece for. Thank you. Some skepticism. For the deal. Yeah. And one last thing here. So if I look at his development, okay, Free Press Building isn't done. The book Cadillac isn't done. They never broke ground on the Monroe block. Hudson's is a whole. The future city Detroit over there in Brush Park is a mess, not half built. Um, the Brewster Project site, ground's not broken. <laughs> yeah. So now. I forgot about that one. Thank you. The yeah. jail site, you know, even though jail. it was a, sw a switch off, it, that's still just sitting there. No, the jail. The, oh, you mean the failed jail site, right? Yeah, the failed the fail jail. Yeah. We'll see about it. Now, in the meantime, real quick, we'll, and we'll get, we got to get to Scott. Mike Duggan. Well, you can de just demolish all those then. Oh, we can demolish. <laughs> just demolish them all. Nice segue. <laughs> yeah, no. Nice segue. If, if there's only someone around who likes to demolish things. Why is the mayor in the middle of a depression where the people are still owed $600 million on overtax, where the police have to take a cut, where we're not going to cut grass, why is he coming back yet again with another pitch for a quarter billion dollars on the most highly taxed property owners in Michigan, Detroit, mm. to do overtaxed de demolition and now refurbishing in a city where people are leaving. What? Why? 
why aren't we asking that for the schools or for the police or for sanitation or for help on water shutoffs? Why? Uh, well, it's probably a lot of reasons. <laughs> Maybe you have your own as it relates to federal. You know, I mean, we talked about the money and the and the control. But you know, that was the one thing that that Duggan kept pitching. We're going to fix the neighborhoods. Now they just introduced like neighborhoods 2.0 or something. So I, I think that he believes, given his disconnect that this is the one thing that will resonate with people in the neighborhoods. But they too are wondering the same thing. Like what the hell is happening? We didn't demo it before federal oversight for mismanagement of the federal dollars for the demolition program, you know, prior to we've talked about on this show that there's no land use strategies. What's the plan? So wait a minute. You're saying, no, this isn't a deal to like get people in the neighborhoods to like them. That's yeah, a, I totally, that's, that's the one thing that he's been pushing. And I think that I said because of his disconnect, he's continuing to say it. It doesn't like matter. Karen, this is $250 million in a depression. The, the way that you don't enamor people with you is tax them when they've lost their jobs. How many, well, people, how many people know that you can see a house getting demolished in your neighborhood that's been an eyesore? It's also, like Karen pointed out, it's been a promise of his. So now he's keeping to a promise and he's doing something tangible that people can see but see you got to talk to the people of detroit because look the price over these last six years has doubled we've got two grand juries we've got breaking news gabe leland city council (laughs) men right charged with misconduct in office for taking bribes from bob carmack and if you know the show he's the guy that tailed the mayor's piece of ass Right. Bob, yeah. So Bob's, Bob's character. Yeah. So Gabe Leland is a is a right hand appendage of Mike Duggan, and he was the guy in the planning and development commission on the city council. He's going down. There's so much graft. I I'm 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 looking at it like if the feds make you fix this shit, right? The crap in the holes that we've reported on, yeah. high levels of arsenic. You broke you, you bid rigging potentially. Yeah. The dirt. You, yeah. How are you going to pay the feds back? How are you going to pay them back? You can't pay them back with federal grant money. We don't have it in the budget. All of a sudden, we're borrowing 250 Be really careful, Detroit. Really look into this. You stay here because I've left a few messages in D.C. today. We'll find out. But it smells. That's what our public policy is going to be. More demolition. The last one didn't work. <laughs> and the biggest jail in the history of this town. Right now? What does that sound like, Charlie? I don't know. Tell me, Karen. No, I'm just saying, think about it. So you're building a jail. It's still a predominantly African-American city. They've been. You've got only a jail and raggedy houses and, 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 and no strong uh, police force. Dave Bing? <laughs> look at the look on her face. <laughs> to Karen's credit, I was, I was going through some clips, right? And uh, do you remember where the police... The police um, Buck those people off the car, the protesters, a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was over at the 4th Precinct on 4th Street. Yes. I did a story on that. Started out as a no-bid contract. It balloons up to $17 million, and the contractor pockets two and a half. So I start digging into all of this shit. Firehouses that were supposed to get floors that don't exist, right? The check's cut. I'm like, what the fuck happened? So Karen was communications director for Bing, and I kept hitting her like, Every day with another one, and another one, and this one's a, a Mexican restaurant. It's not even a fucking firehouse. And here's how Karen did business. Okay, dude, stop with the questions. Your questions, because we don't know. 
This went on under Kwame Werbin. Yeah. She goes, but I will direct you and I will instruct the buildings department to give you every document you want to see. I looked, it just fell across my lap, Karen, and it, it, I was amused. And it reminded me what a better quality representative you are instead of just shutting us out. Karen, did that stop all the calls and texts from Charlie when you did that? No, but let me tell you this, it shouldn't have. And this is why Charlie and I get along. Charlie was, and I say this all the time, it's not, it wasn't Charlie's job or my job to be friends. Charlie had a job to do. He was supposed to hold me and the mayor accountable. Yeah. I owe him the information as a public official. I mean, these are these are the public's documents. I mean, so my thing is, and we talk about this with the governor. We talk about this with the mayor. You cannot, you cannot and should not run. If you don't have the answer, say you don't have the answer. If you do have the answer, whether it's what they want to hear or not, you give them the answer. But you owe the public the courtesy of access and response. I hope, the, I hope the governor heard that. Yeah, me too. And it's important. I'll end this, and we'll go to the governor. And then after that story, I want the U.S. A U.S. attorney and an FBI agent called me and asked me to drive them around, and they opened a book on it, meaning they had a really good suspicion, and they started working on it. And you know, this town it poofed, mm -hmm. but they knew. I knew. You know, and it's the same with these houses. We know that's a fact. It was fucked up. The federal government stopped it, made them pay shit back, tell them to stop poisoning the air and the water where these kids live. It was a mess. And I'm going to hand them another $250 million. Huh. No. Now, Whitmer. Yeah. Real quick. She's doing the rounds again. Uh, I don't, what was that, WWJ? This is from WWJ. She got a little bit prickly when asked about the and, nursing home. And finally somebody asked her. Yeah, somebody asked her, but uh, it doesn't sound like he knew how to do the follow-up, but. Doesn't sound like she appreciated the question either. Now, why aren't you being as transparent regarding nursing homes as, as some people would like you to be? Well, Tom, frankly, I think you need to do a little bit more research well, before you just research you know, regurgitate what the Republican talking points are here. The fact of the matter is, this is Republicans going after Democratic governors and states where they are, have a political agenda. You look at the facts here in Michigan. Number one, our, it is sad that COVID-19 has had a disproportionate impact on congregate care facilities where people are living together, they're older, and oftentimes have medical conditions. And that's why it's had such a hard impact on nursing homes across the country. Michigan's experience is, is similar to what we've seen in states across the country. In fact, we've been able to protect people better than most states. And you just have to look at the numbers. Uh, okay, you got to look at the numbers. Well, where are they? <laughs> right. I'm going to do this real quick again. Oh, boy, yeah. We've got one of the highest mortality rates in the country. We have we're six or seven highest in mortality, period. We're not even counting. She talks about all these facilities. We're not counting the private facilities. You don't have the numbers, madam. Come here and answer and get snippy with me. You work for me. You work for my grandma. God rest her soul. You work for us. You can't answer it. Here, I talked to four private nursing homes, not the 450 that they're counting these deaths in. There's 50%, 60% more of our old people live in unlicensed ones or group homes. We don't even monitor them. It's an honor system. They haven't been inspected. So here's what's going on at one. 
Oh boy, yeah. I've got close. one private home. They had 20 COVID deaths. They told me they didn't even list them because they didn't have an autopsy, so it's pneumonia. Another one had five, nobody's asking. Another one had two, nobody's asking. They're not even counted. So can they can they report them to someone? Or I mean, if, if no one's asking, that's fine. Is there some place they can report them? Yeah, I mean, you can you can report it if you like. It's not mandatory. Here, look. Which means our numbers may not be accurate. They're not accurate. Because, oh, yeah. I'm not surprised okay? I'm just that. saying, think about that because everybody, remember one time, you know, the whole push, you know, me and the narrative is that, oh, you know, the numbers are going down. We're, we're taking control of this. We're doing the right thing. But if, in fact, people weren't being tested and the numbers are skewed or not reported, then are they really going down? What's that sound? That's uh, something going on at Karen's house. I don't know. Is the yeah, lawn, you is know, the lawn service the lawn. back? <laughs> what the fuck, Karen? I'm on mute. <laughs> Look, I'm going to do this. So, in some of these facilities, and I've been, I continue to reporting, it'll come, I'll bring it out. In these private facilities, they don't have the staff either, right? So, they lock people, owe people in rooms. We know that. They, they die of loneliness, some of them. But other ones are going to die of sepsis. They don't have enough people to take care of them, so they close it. The workers don't want to go in. I have a bunch of pictures. What do I hold this? Uh, hold it to that main one if it if it goes through. I don't want to give Here. up the phone number. I don't want to give up the phone Oh, okay. Be warned, the pictures are graphic. Uh, let me just, look, I can't get it. <laughs> he just would. Just explain the photos because a lot of people listening. This foot is rotting off. I can see bone yeah. and pus. It's infected. Get it badly. It's an open wound that is clearly infected. Yeah, it looks like half the foot shot off. And the other uh, photos are soiled sheets that appear to have not been changed. Yep. Because, you're, you're, I, you know, and I almost don't blame. I wouldn't want to go into a room with someone that has COVID. And they're too cheap to, remember, uh, Brian was talking about the paper plates and shit. Yeah. I heard the same story. They just didn't want to pay for the continual cost of paper plates and plastic forks so does this take us what we were talking earlier profit over people yeah, it's, it's, it's seems, the same, seems to be yeah it's the same thing here's the I strategy mean, you're not, you're not caring about these folks and what did you say charlie the the, the cost of this one particular facility was over five thousand a month yeah you'd expect some common courtesy and care for your loved one yeah, yeah more than that so here's here's what you can do it's speaking to these private directors they have enough room now because everybody died, madam, but we didn't count them, so I guess they don't count. There's now enough room to take healthy people and put them in one building and take the infected people and put them in another building. And I know that plays on an old people's mind a little bit, being moved like that. But it's better than having them in the same building, catching it, yeah, perishing, keep, and rotting. Keeping them alive. We don't have the data. Don't lie to me. Going back, Now go I'm getting mad. Going back to that interview she did with wwj2 and that answer was very snippy and people are snippy because either they're exhausted because they're answering the same question over and over which we know she's not because she hasn't answered that question or they don't want to answer or they don't want to answer the question because they know that they're wrong and so to tell somebody that they need to do their homework which is just a fucking insult to anybody who's going to be asking questions because that guy clearly and i wish i knew who that reporter was listening to more of that interview he knew the subject, and he knew the subject really well. Just when it gets to that one point, she doesn't like being asked about it. She doesn't. She knows it's bad, and she doesn't want to answer it. Well, this is the other thing. If somebody asks a question that you think warrants more context, rather than tell them to do their homework, 
why don't you explain the missing components as opposed sure. to just challenging the question? I mean, to say that, you know, it's politically driven or these are just talking points from the Republicans. Yeah. That's an easy out it's and excuse dismissive. as opposed to pinpointing the areas of uh, inaccuracy that he may have in shaping and asking that question. Fix and the that's shit. how you get the truth out. Fix that's the it. shit. Now, uh, God bless him. But had he had he had data at his fingertips, you know the governor's coming on. Yeah. Prep for it. That's true. I, I think he did, though, <laughs> and she just did not want that question. Do you hear this? Again, I'm sick of this. Yeah. Like, well, the Republicans, and then the Republicans. Well, the Democrats, you know, we're sick of it. I'm not either of those. I'm voting you to, for you to do a job, not for your little gang to get the power, because none of you really do it very well. And Obama said that, not me. You don't know what you're doing. And stop saying, I won't be bullied. Yeah. That's a double meaning there. Oh, why? Because what, she's female? She, she's using that. When you're the governor, you don't have a sex. Yeah, amen. You're the man. Stop yeah, it, it. it. I it, won't be bullied. It works both ways. Oh, God. I just well, want to fix. I say toughen up. You know, I mean, it's like if somebody comes at you the in, in a way that you feel is wrong, then you respond appropriately and you counter that. You don't buckle under and say, "Oh, you're picking on me," or you're doing. You know, don't don't do that. You the can't be strong and people weak at the same are time. rotting in their you beds, know, Charlie. The old people are rotting in their beds, and you're not even sending inspectors. It's self-reporting. I know. I've been to them. I'm showing you pictures. Brian was here. We got the inspectors on the phone. Anybody watching knows this is bull shit. And stop blaming Florida for having a lot of cases. Yeah, we don't care about the other states. Yeah, stop we rank 16th it. in testing. If we were first in testing, I wonder where we are. Yeah. I know what our death is. And no getting around it. Fix the shit. Now. You might have to put the other shirt back on. Maybe you should call ADR. Can they fix shit? Well, they're experienced overseeing more than $250 million in private and public construction projects in 2000, since 2001. So I think they can, dude. They're competent. Reduce your costs. Increase your bottom line. ADR has saved clients millions. ADR consultants are experts in procurement and government compliance and information technology uh, yeah. I think we've talked about a lot of people who uh, should call them. They've gotten calls mm -hmm. how to comply with these executive orders, and they've shown people how to do it safely, properly, within the law. ADR, honest, ethical, smart. Call Barry Allen Tuck, 248-318-9424 for a consultation. Get the job done right, on time, on budget. ADR Consultants, 248-318-9424. Now, overreaction is not a strategy for the long-term investor, Mark. It's not. Neither is burying your head in the sand and hoping it all turns out for the best. Oh, I like that one, though. Right. So call my friend Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth. You're going to have to do it, folks. These unemployment checks run out at the end of the month. We're less than two weeks away. 248. Write it down. 248-663-4748. Rational financial advice tailored to you. The coronavirus. What does this mean now? Six months from now? Six years from now, stocks, yeah, bonds, do you move your 401k? I, I, is there anybody you can help me? I don't know. <sighs> if I only knew who I could call. Uh, hey, Luke let Nowacki. me say this though, Charlie. <laughs> this is the time to take that. Uh, what, what are people getting unemployment, like an extra $600 or something? Yeah, that runs out. 
that runs out. But the point is, is that if that's an extra amount of money and you're able to squeeze any of that out, this is the time to start planning for the net. We're going to have a second wave. We're talking, they're looking at this not even leveling out until 2021. I told you that too. So call Luke and figure out, hey, well, how can I squeeze a few hundred dollars out of this to create a, a, a comfort level for me? We talked about this all last year before this happened. Hey, Take something and put it away. Hey, Luke's not paying for, a, you know, an infomercial here. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> but you're right. So listen, what about your company? Are you in the right investments? Is your you pension be. <laughs> Is your pension fund meeting its projected re- return? Huh? He I don't know. All that. He does up here. He does regular people. Right? Yeah. He does banks. He does he does copper pension funds. He does me. He can do you 248-663-4748. Hit it. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. <laughs> yeah! Hey, what shirt is that now? That's a new uh, costume change for those uh, listening. This comes from Gunston Street Comics. Yeah. I got the sentimentals at Fox, too. Just came in the mail. I've never worn it. It's sort of self-serving. It's kind of weird. It's but... weird to wear a picture of your shirt on a shirt. But it's fucking cool. I like it couldn't get rid of it because it's really cool and uh it's 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 a caricature of charlie and in your hand is it's a microphone you're holding the are you holding a microphone cord like it's a disease like it has covid see dude much. i think i'm actually in decent shape and I'm, I'm not a wrinkly old turd but why does it, everybody always draw me that way and you have blue hair in there too why does people it's called a caricature charlie i know but I I mean, everybody like me knows in, that you're in, not an old dude do you i really look like this looked like david faraday david faraday no, like that but it, you're not it's not supposed to look like you then it would be a portrait i want to look like johnny depp <laughs> no you don't no you no, don't you yes don't. i do <laughs> no one wants to look like him anymore he's and got I, a square I wanna, head i want to blow that kind of money oh yeah well. i can do that uh, but anyway um let me just uh tell you right here um right white boy rick where she's set to be released from prison finally a teenager sentenced to life for five keys of coke i think it was five or eight <laughs> no nonviolent offender has ever served more time in michigan prisons than rick Worshi. nobody knows the story better than scott bernstein journalist attorney and true crime author of such books as the detroit true crime chronicles and white boy rick He's, look right here. I recommend you get this. Can you see it? Yeah, it's a little washed out. Yeah, there you go. All Much right. better. The Detroit True Crime Chronicles. This this fucking thing is great. I swear. You can see Good it. Writer. It's all bookmarked. He's a great writer, man. He's one of the best underworld writers in America, in my opinion. Let's see. The Greek Must Die. A Dozen Years of Destruction. Every, he's got everything. The Oakland County Nightmare. The Detroit Chainsaw Massacre. All of it. Ooh. All of it. So, the gangster report. Don't forget that. Yeah. Let's, you know, it's so big. Let's just play the trailer, maybe, from the, his documentary, White Boy Rick, uh, where he's an executive producer, and then bring him in, find out where what's going to happen. We're going to look like businessmen deliver packages. Money, money, money. Only us and you will know it's drugs. Okay. Anybody who's in possession of over 650 grams of cocaine, mandatory life. White boy Rick. His name is Richard Wershey Jr. I was like, who was this white kid, you know, that was supposedly running all these black gangs and, and running the city of Detroit? When you're 17 years old and you're moving kilos, you're at a, a status of drug dealer that most 17-year-olds don't reach. 
why would a juvenile, nonviolent drug offender be kept in prison beyond 29 years? I found out that the reality was much different than the legend. And I knew that there were corrupt police officers involved in this thing. Coleman Young is the most powerful politician in the history of Detroit, and his niece was Kathy Volson, and she was married to Johnny Curry, one of the biggest drug dealers in Detroit. Everybody, every police officer down at 1300 was crooked. If you're a criminal, I would advise you never to get a nickname. So uh. they said, we got to kill that white boy. Law enforcement created almost the perfect criminal. The war on drugs is over, and drugs won. There's still a lot of angry people in the city of Detroit, in positions of power. I did way more than he could possibly have done to get that kind of a sentence. Third world countries don't incarcerate like this. You're not trying to tell me that you're an angel, that you never did anything wrong, are you? I've been involved in wrongdoing, but I don't feel I did anything to receive a life sentence. Fucking good shit. Welcome on, Scott. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, bro. I was waiting for the right time, and now it is. How are you, bro? I'm good, man. Thanks, Charlie. Says, uh, for those uh, listening and, and can't see this, this Zoom Facebook Live brought to you by American <laughs> Coney Island, I believe Scott is doing solitary time here at Sing Sing <laughs> State Penitentiary in San Francisco Bay Area. Bro, who, who's murdered in the corner over there? My bedroom can be a little bland at times, but it, it contrasts the colorful lifestyle that I live. Amen. <laughs> Interacting with gangsters and drug dealers and mob bosses on a regular basis. So I got I to gotta live Spartan. You really do. And I got to say, you're from Oak Park, Michigan. You're one of ours. Um, let me start with this. For those who don't really, can, can you just give us a, an overview of white boy Rick, who he was, what happened to him? I, I, you know what I mean? Can you just do, do the quick... Well, he's stroke. definitely one of the more iconic figures that the underworld in Detroit has ever produced. Um, when you talk about Detroit crime, you, you talk Purple Gang, you talk Jimmy Hoffa, and you talk White Boy Rick. Now, I, I think from my research, I've been able to clear up the, the fact that the reputation of White Boy Rick and the caricature that became White Boy Rick kind of pales in comparison to the reality that was White Boy Rick. Um, so do I tell, think his, do tell. What his do you mean? infamy far exceeded the real story of who Rick Wershey was. In a sentence um, or two, who, who, what, is the, what is the fable? And then in a sentence or two, what is the reality? So he was a, you know, a 16-year-old white drug dealer on the streets of Detroit um, operating in a world that was dominated by all uh, black drug kingpins that uh, a number of them looked to Rick as a protege and, and, and wanted to mentor him in the drug game. Um, he became an obsession uh, by the local media. Uh, the, the media and the public was just transfixed by him uh, in 1986, 87, 88. Uh, he was on uh, you know, the front page of the, of the newspaper on almost a weekly basis. Uh, his trial was a three-ring circus in January 1988. You had uh, Miami Vice basing a, a, a character and one of their storylines on him. You had 21 Jump Street basing a storyline on a character uh, kind of uh, um, inspired by Rick Wershey. So that was the story that everybody knew. The story that nobody knew until I came on the scene around 2006, 2007 was that 
white boy Rick or Rick Wershey's alter ego, white boy Rick, was actually a creation of the U.S. government. Um, he was recruited directly out of eighth grade by a federal task force that was put together to work drugs on the east side of Detroit, but there was a hidden agenda there. Uh, that task force was actually the, the, the main goal of that task force, ostensibly was to uh, combat drug activity on the east side of Detroit. In reality, it was to get Mayor Coleman Young. And in order to get Mayor Coleman Young, they zeroed in on Johnny Curry, who was the most notorious uh, drug boss at that point on the east side of Detroit, was married to Coleman Young's uh, niece, who was almost like a surrogate daughter to him, Kathy Volson. And they viewed uh, by inserting a 14-year-old uh, white kid into that orbit um, that somehow that could turn into them getting enough information on Johnny Curry, jamming him up, having Johnny Curry flip, and then in turn give them Mayor Coleman Young. Because uh, Rick Wershe, as a kid, was was dealing dealing a little bit for the Curry well, brothers, right? He, wa he, wa he, wa he had no previous drug activity. Uh, he had some juvenile delinquency, minor issues when he was 13, 14, um, but nothing of any consequence, nothing where he was ever a, a, a little drug dealer on the streets. He was someone that was playing Little League Baseball. Um, his father, on the other hand, was a confidential informant for FBI, DEA, ATF, starting back in the early 1980s. So the federal government was familiar with uh, Richard Wershey Sr., who ran a, a, um, a gun shop and sold guns legally and then illegally on the black market. He sold uh, illegal firearms, uh, silencers, permits, and whatnot. And so they knew that Richard had this precocious 14-year-old kid that was incredibly intelligent and incredibly um, likable and magnetic for, for that age. And they went to him one day in June of 1984 and asked if they could hire his son for the summer and use, and him. use him to infiltrate drug gangs. And the first person that they uh, told Rick to go get close to was Johnny Curry. And within, you know, a couple weeks, Rick has exceeded all expectations and has worked his way into Johnny's inner circle. And it became like Superfly and Leave it to Beaver, you know, <laughs> running side by side in Johnny's Mercedes. Now, it Rick, was like a, a, it was a gimmick, a, a sideshow, a novelty. But Rick will admit, though, he kind of fell into that lifestyle because then oh, yeah. the, the FBI it's got... Very very quickly. Yeah. He started fucking Coleman Young's niece, J Johnny Curry's well, wife. So he, he, he what he dealing. did was he kind of pulled a, a Tony Montana in Scarface. Uh, Johnny Curry gets sent away uh, to prison based on information that Rick had given them. Wow. And then within a couple days of Johnny Curry going away, a uh, 16-year-old Rick is, you know, in bed with 24-year-old Kathy Volson, who was Johnny's wife. I think the surprising oh, that just that just poured fuel on the fire of a, a of a five alarm media circus. Well, and it kept going because nobody could figure out why was he still in prison? Why were the parole hearings um, either not granted or just kind of immediately well, dismissed? Kind of, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little okay. bit. So they use Rick. Wait, who's as running a, this interview? <laughs> <laughs> the man from the pen. Well, I just want to make sure people understand the yeah. timeline. Yeah, okay, you're uh, absolutely wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> So Rick worked for the government, was on the government payroll between 1984 and 1986. They paid him 
close to $60,000 in that time period. It was like working a full-time job. They had him drop out of high school. He was only in ninth grade for about two months. He got shot and almost died. Uh, you think that would have had people kind of pump the brakes and reevaluate, but instead they, they went into full, uh, uh, you know, into, into supercharge mode and, and put him even deeper undercover. Uh, they get everything they can get from him in those two years, including enough information to bring Johnny Curry down. So at that point, they, you know, they sucked him dry and they cut ties with him mm-hmm. in around uh, late 1986. So at that point, he, Johnny Curry goes to prison. Rick kind of slides into Johnny Curry's seat and takes over. And for about, you know, six months to a year, he was a, a drug dealer that wasn't on the payroll of the U.S. government. So was he well, big? Did he take over the organization? Was he white he boy? Tried, he tried to. He was moving kilos. And like I said in that, uh, in that documentary clip, I mean, when you're 17 years old, 16 years old, and you're moving kilos and you're hanging out uh, with Escobar's crew down in Miami, um, you know, you're, you're bigger than not a big deal. <laughs> uh, you're, you're someone of some substance. He was running in circles with all the major players. So but he, he, he himself was, didn't really reach that level. But he was white boy Rick. The, 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 I, always, I never really jumped on the story because I'm like, the fucker did it. He was rolling oh, coke. So, okay, the so punishment was... But the, fast, forward well, to, fast forward to spring of 1987. Uh, I believe there was a internal mandate by DPD to take him down by any means necessary because he had information about the task force, about corruption in DPD, corruption within the federal government. They wanted him off the streets. They had used him for two years, got everything they needed from him, and now they wanted to put him in a cage and throw the key away. Because, so because they're going to get caught. Hold on, hold on, Scott. Because they're, gonna, they're worried not only about what he's got, but the public's going to find out you abused yeah, They're using a, a 14-year-old kid mm-hmm. to, to infiltrate drug gangs on, the, on, the, on Uncle Sam's dime. Is this and why he does 30 encouraging years? Encouraging him to drop out of high school to do this. Is this why he does 30 years, and are you the reason that he's going to get out now because, I mean, the story was kind of dead till you really came on the scene. Yeah, I think I ignited the flame that then became uh, this groundswell of, of support and, out, and an outcry at this terrible, uh, just a, a travesty, an Ameri- a true American injustice. I like to say that um, sometimes justice can move very slow, but ultimately... Most of the time, I think it prevails, and it took 32 years for this to, you know, for him to finally get the key to unlock that prison cell and and, and walk out and have a, have a second chapter of his life. Um, but I, I just want to emphasize something. I think because of his reputation and because of the infamy and because of the nickname, the the narrative there's a there's a giant fallacy in the narrative. I think the the, the common belief even now is that. Rick Wershey was brought down on a kingpin statute, was brought down on a, a, a CCE, a continuing criminal enterprise, was brought down on a racketeering statute. None of that's true. He was arrested on a routine traffic stop when he was 17 years old in front of his grandma's house. This was a this was he ran a stop sign. So this wasn't some huge government effort to bring him down in the sense of this, you know, multi-layered racketeering indictment. You know, they nailed him on a, 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 a blowing a stop sign and, and finding had, drugs. And he got you. So it wasn't like some sting to bring him down. Right. Now, were those his drugs? Yeah, they were. 
Yep. He you did know, his time. Was, was he moving kilos at that point? Yeah, he was. Did he take a, a shipment of 10 kilos that morning? Yeah, he did. Did he go sell two of those kilos uh, to a guy by the name of Brian McClendon, who then most likely told the FBI or the DPD that he was coming back towards his grandma house, grandma's house with a, uh, a shopping bag full of, you know, $40,000 worth of money for that, for that purchase. Yeah, he did. Did that, did they pull him over, uh, based on that stop sign roll looking for that money? I believe they did. Yeah, they did. Karen, so what'd you want to ask? Setup. Karen, what'd you so want to ask? Scott, yeah, yeah. I want to ask. So the, the, from your perspective, is white boy Rick a victim? I mean, yeah, I, I of course he's a victim. There's no question he's a victim. I mean, they prostituted a 14 year old kid. So, but I guess I'm trying to figure out: was it because his father could? And I saw the documentary, um, and and remember a lot of this from back in the day. But I mean, did his father contribute to this? Yes. I mean, there, there has sold, to be his some. Father sold, his father sold him to the federal government. Let's leave it at that because I get there's okay. more here. So he's getting out. When's the he's getting out Monday? When's the last time you talked to him? When's he coming home? And when are you going to see him? Um, you know, I talked to him a couple months ago. Uh, he is someone that uh, I know is chomping at the bit to get back to Detroit, get back with his family. Um, he's someone that has a big heart and has a lot of love for this city. And, you know, he bleeds Detroit. And even though he was a victim of the city in a lot of ways, um, he doesn't hold that against the city. And I know that there's a, a, a caravan of people going down to pick him up on Monday. He's got a fiance um, who's at, hey. it's actually a great story. It was his eighth grade girlfriend um, who reconnected with him 30 years later. And now they're, they're going to get married when he comes out. He's got three kids that have never really had a father. He's got, I think, seven grandkids that are looking forward to getting, getting their grandpa home. And I, I've told him. Uh, whenever, whenever we've spoken about it in the past, I said, you know, cause he, he's guilt ridden over not being able to be there for his kids. Um, how, they're the all way, their 30s. How, how do you got three kids when you went to <laughs> prison? Was, I, 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 this guy was living, a, this guy lived a movie script between 14 and 18. Oh. He had three kids. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Um, no. And, uh, but no, I, I, I said him. to him, you know, you're going to be able to do all those things that you weren't able to do with your kids, you're going to be able to do them with your grandkids. You're going to be able to go to Disney World. You're going to be able to go to Cedar Point. You're going to be able to have the birthday parties. So, you know, I, I think that's what he's living for right now. And the past is the past. And uh, he's going to be back here next week. And, and hopefully he'll hit the ground running. Yeah. What is he going to do? I mean, does he has he talked to you about what his interests or plans are? Certainly uh, returning citizens are, you know, it's a challenge for all of them. But with his notoriety, is that going to work in his favor? We use no? ex-con on this show. It's an and, ex-con, not a returning citizen. Let's keep it real. He's been in. He's been in prison. He's coming out. He's returning to the community. I'm he's not talking about his sentence. He's been in jail, prison, whatever. There's a difference. I mean, you can't you can't massage the fact that he is a, a convicted right. Uh, uh, you know, convicted drug dealer. So that's that's a fact. I just think there are so many mitigating circumstances that you have to. And if you look at it in a vacuum, um, I think there's one perspective. But then when you start to pull away. And, and back out and look at it from another lens and, and look at all the layers and all the corruption. Um, you know, this guy, you know, should have been out of prison, uh, you know, 
probably by the mid nineties. You probably should have done agreed five six years of prison. Uh, and then and then been out by the time he's 25. Yeah, it but. seems like there's there's two things going on here cuz he he doesn't like that name. He he knows he committed a crime. It's just that 650 uh lifer law which has since been, you know, I think the same sp- law that took down Tim Allen by the way. Yeah, and and Rick was Tim the last Allen did 3 years and then went off to Hollywood and became Tim Allen. And Rick was the last one left and then he did something and that's um while he's behind yep. bars with a with an auto theft ring and that's why for Florida wanted him after that now you said he's excited to come back here but i remember when we had him on uh with drew he said he never wants to live in michigan that's he, what i was gonna ask. he just does Why would not you come back here yeah so do you think uh he's changed his opinion on that because the family's here or yeah i think his fiance plays a role in it um i never heard him say he didn't want to live in live in michigan so i, I don't remember that I mean, I, I was on I mean, all those interviews that you and Drew were doing with him. Oh, we must Maybe have put I'm you to sleep. <laughs> Funny he's thing is, he's not, he, he's not doing interviews now. To, but he's not going to do interviews now because he wants some some peace for a minute. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not even trying to bother the guy, but you're not going to get it coming back here. Right. Now, there was a major motion picture made about it, which I know you were involved in. Um, I was not really a fan of the movie. Did you like it? Oh, it, it? sucked. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I, Scott. I, 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 did, I do not co-sign that, uh, that piece of art. I was, um, oh. I was a part of it for three years, and it was a great experience. And I'm, I'm thankful for, for Sony Studio 8 for, for bringing me on board. I'm thankful for all the people I got to work with. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But... The final product, um, I just think, was very misguided. They, I think the, the best way to sum it up, in my opinion, is they took a totally unforgettable story and made a forgettable movie out of it. Which is very hard to do. It's, it's, it's is, is he positioned to benefit from who he is and his story when he comes out financially? I, I can't really speak to that. I don't know. Could he? Wish I could. God, that was terrible. I mean, he's, he's. Oh, come on, Charlie. It was terrible. <laughs> Okay. Was it? The movie was bad. Scott can't say it because he's got stuff going on in Hollywood. And, and the thing is, you don't shit where you're trying to eat, but it sucked. The movie was bad. God, it was awful. It just was very slow and jumbled and unfocused. And um, do, you, do you think well, there was nothing fun about it? It reminds there was, there me of no characters that you felt yeah. connected with, that you wanted to ride with through that story. What was that um, one called? Was it Detroit? The one about the riots? That what was that yeah. one? Oh, Detroit! Yeah, yeah. Detroit. yeah that, that was, was another. That was another stinker. Which one was worse? Detroit was worse. I thought it was worse. That too. was terrible. So you got that going for you, Scott. You didn't work on the worst. <laughs> yeah. So you're second. And worst. it was unfortunate they didn't shoot it in Detroit. Yeah. Why don't they? Yeah. First of all, really why, made me mad. Not only but, why is it they don't shoot it in Detroit, right? But any movie they make about Detroit usually sucks. Why? Because they don't ask people who know and they don't involve people who know. They bring in outside people who are doing a bird's eye view of the city. They don't, nothing resonates with them. And so we get a second or third generation interpretation of something. Aaron Aaron hit it on the head. I think the biggest issue with White Boy Rick was that they hired a young British, French Algerian filmmaker um, who really wasn't familiar with the area or the era um, or really. United States. Um, he had just moved here from from Great Britain, um, and he's an, an incredibly talented filmmaker. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I, I don't know if it was the right choice to helm this project. And I, I find it somewhat ironic that the same company that made this movie, Studio Eight, which is a subsidiary of Sony, 
had another movie coming out at the exact same time that was uh, directed by the Hughes brothers, who are Detroiters, who made Menace to Society, which is one of the, the greatest gangster movies ever. And they're from Detroit. So it just seems like mm. the same company, they're making two different movies. One's about Detroit. You think they would put the director and the writer that's from Detroit that's made some some real uh, classic cinema uh, at the at the helm of that project, but they decided to, to kind of flip flip the script on that. It makes too much sense, Scott. Yeah. That would never happen. So, Scott, yeah. you know, because uh, that was a perfect segue into where I want to go next. So, I'm going to do what, what are you what are you doing now, bro? Uh, I'm working on a couple things out in California, a couple uh, scripted television shows that hopefully I'll be able to talk about uh, in more specific. Uh, in, the, in the coming months. Uh, one of them is a Detroit story that is about kind of that same era uh, of White Boy Rick, um, but uh, has a, a wider scope and um, uh, more of a, a palette where we're, where we're taking from multiple different uh, organized crime groups, kind of dealing with Detroit in the 80s, uh, the black drug gangs, the Italian mafia, the Iraqi mob, the Chaldean mob, um, and and then you know government corruption and, and police corruption, all kind of in this milieu of of Detroit I- I- at that time period. Sounds so, like um, my sounds like my job every day. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you know locally, I've been doing a lot of black mafia family reporting. Um, I've been that's reading. been a big story that's uh, been. Uh, they're at, been they're at, for the last couple months. Let's keep it simple for the people. But yeah, release. they're they're at war. They're getting out of prison, and yeah, they're getting there was a murder down. on this past Monday that was actually very disturbing. One of the uh, uh, the original members of of Black Mafia family, uh, Chris Pig Triplet, who was a, a confidant of the uh, co-founders of Black Mafia family, the Flannery brothers, was gunned down on the west side of Detroit on Monday. Um, Monday, early Monday morning, and he's the second member of BMF that's come out of prison on the original bus that they took in 05, which was called Operation Motor City Mafia, um, the biggest domestic American drug dealing organization in history. Um, and this is the second member of BMF to come out of prison and meet a violent end. And if you want a primer on BMF, go to my book, Detroit and American Autopsy, because they play a a yeah. prominent minor role in it. It sort of tells you what's going on on the streets, Mark. Yeah. Scott, well, I just wonder where can people uh, follow you or read you online um, to keep uh, up with I'm what still writing for the Oakland Press, and then you can get me at Gangster Report, uh, www.gangsterreport.com. That's my web magazine. I, I tout it as the Rolling Stone magazine of the underworld. Um, and then just to give another quick uh, you know, plug or, or teaser, I've been looking into a double murder in Detroit from 10 years ago that hasn't really gotten a lot of uh, publicity. Um, one happened in January of 2010 in Gross. They're, they're both uh, tied to Gross Point citizens. One was a, a, a woman named Joanne Romaine Matouk who disappeared. Um, don't tell us the whole January story. Don't, don't, no, don't, no, no. You're working on some stuff. Okay. Okay. And so he's giving a teaser, Charlie. No, that's the dead. And then then there was another murder that (laughs) happened six months later. uh, A guy by the name of David Widlack. Both of them ended up in bodies of water. Both of them were initially ruled suicides, and both of them are not suicides. And I believe the murders are connected. They happen within six months of each other. Uh, 
corruption, mob activity, family feuds, all kind of play into it. We'll see where it goes. See, here's the thing, Karen. We can always have him back when he puts it together. In fact, yeah. we were talking on the phone earlier this week. Uh, hey, Mark, we're, 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 we're talking about hooking up here. I'm yeah. going to hook up Mark with this dude. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that. You don't hear me say that a lot. No. I, I want to hook up with this dude. Right, so we're gonna we'll talk about that after the show, right, Scott? For sure. I mean, seriously, dude, you're, you're dynamite. Look, this my, the, my my obsession with telling great stories about Detroit came from it was inspired by Charlie. Was it? Yes, it was. Another fucking copycat. <laughs> but but I love it because y'all did it, dude. Look at this. Take it from a different angle. Oh yeah, look at hey, this. I, I'd love to have him back on. I have so many questions. I mean, if you if that 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 whole era, you know, YBI, the Chamber yeah. Brothers, the whole. I mean, that was an era that I mean that just has a level of intrigue and it just. I so can, yeah, I, I can get us guests. I can get us an XYBI to come on. I can get us BJ Chambers. I'm talking to actually Big Meech Flannery right now. He's in prison okay. in, in uh, Oregon. Hopefully, we can maybe have him on and he can talk. Then more Charlie, about it sounds like we have a deal here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, and by the way, haven't we already had YBI on? Huh? Who do you have? Skip Mongo. Oh yes, <laughs> from uh, from the WW crew. Yeah. Yes. Oh, look at you! Look at this guy. He knows Look, it all, man. I don't he was know. wonder. He was one of wonderful Wayne's guys. So, but it, you know what? It, it it's good to talk to somebody who knows and not somebody who's pretending to know and talk about what they heard. So, with me, that gives you a level level of credibility, and I Thank appreciate you. that. What this Thank dude you. does is the work, and he won't let the history die because the history tells you where you are now, and, the, and he can write. So, as having said that, brother, thank you. Tell uh, thank you, Charlie. Tell Rick Godspeed for us. We we hope it yeah. works out, and. Uh, if he ever wants to come on, you know, we're, we're, we, we don't get on our knees. We're, we'll, we'll get in line. Doesn't matter. You're the guy. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Scott. Yep. All right. So here's so, the tip. So, Charlie, um, Patty, you know, who's one of our regular listeners, said that the Matuk family, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, and that's who Scott was talking about, yeah. um, fly banner planes over Gross Point, accusing other family members that the truth will come out. So, obviously, his story has a lot of teeth to it, uh, and obviously it's still going on. I, 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 re, I remember that story. That, that story. <laughs> well, she, she was an older... Wait a minute. I, I made an editorial, I made an editorial decision they here. They fly planes right, with messages. So, you know. <laughs> no, I made an editorial decision, so the show didn't go all over the place. We got <laughs> now got to introduce a murder from 10 years I'm, ago. I'm putting CNN back in. And all the finery that goes with that. He's working on a story about the okay, mob. that's fine, but people are interested, Charlie. We will come back. To it. He didn't tell us everything. <laughs> Shit. It's called a teaser. <laughs> Shit. Damn. No, fix the. Mm. Fix the shit. I know. I, I'm, I'm kidding. But yeah, like, you're the right mentality look, for your rant. But we, we just went through White Boy Rick. Yes. And, and that's a very. We didn't get. We didn't scratch, scratch the surface, surface yeah. of what Scott yeah. is. Go get that documentary on Amazon if you don't want to read, right? White Boy Rick, a documentary. It's really good. And um, so it's I just. Be, it's going to be on uh, hey, still uh, here. Netflix in a couple months. Okay. It's going to be on Netflix. Cool. Okay, good. Yeah, because it's good. dynamite, dude. And you're an executive producer on that, correct? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's where you go. Believe me, when it drops, because that is a big story. It's sort of, what was that other bondage guy in the gross point killed his wife, dumped her like a couch? Oh, um, Bob Bashara. Yeah. Oh, the, Big Bob. The Matuk yeah. story's like but, that. But, so but, let's but let the Charlie, dude get Let me it just together. throw this out there. I know you don't like this, but let me <laughs> throw you. All of the, our listeners are throwing in uh, Hush Carlisle, you know, Hush, DJ yeah. Hush. Um, I know Hush. 
Uh, he said that the brothers owned Woods Wayne shop on Mac and had their sister killed. Woods Liquor on what Wayne. Up, Noah and Hush? So people know this story and they're going to want to talk to Scott again. Yes. So thank you guys. I thought I made that clear. What's else. up, Hush? Say hey to your dad. <laughs> hey, Hush, did you get the Coney's brother? Did you get the Coney Islands? Tap it in there. What's Hush saying? Did he's right there? Uh, he didn't say anything yet. Yeah, uh, how about he a just fucking thank Liquor. you, bro? Not yet. So it's fine. <laughs> Hush, Hush is my guy. I love Hush. Hush is a great guy. He uh, he really is. He's so. a big supporter of Rex too. Yeah, and his dad Mike was probably his his dad Mike was I think saw more homicides than anybody but one detective in the history of the Detroit Police Department. He, he arrested Rick one time. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, Small, all circle. Around. full circle. Hush said, circle. yeah, he got Bottom the conies, Charlie, so, <laughs> so cool. when he people, said he got them. Hey, people, Good tell deal. your friends what happened to LaDuff. What the fuck? You doing this great show with Mark and Karen and Mannequin Joe. Hey, Mannequin Joe, what do you, what do you make of that? Joe? He's the voice in the sky. Fuck. Do you think he died? I don't know. He don't could. you hear Mannequins don't talk? He's <laughs> <laughs> grunt, motherfucker. <laughs> all right, anyway, so look, look, here's the thing. Here's what we're saying about the making movies and art in Detroit. It's the same for journalism. You got to go to the street. You got to keep on it. You got to get the layered details. I, I, we were on the air last week when, when the cops shot dude. Yeah. Who pulled a gun on him. Okay. Why were the cops out there? What, what did the people of the neighborhood think? I, I, I went and I unexpectedly... I went just to talk to the neighbors. I worked a couple days. I, I talked to the cops on the crew that dropped the guy to let you know. I try to do all the work. Just like uh, Bernstein does. You get in deep. You know the guys. They call mm -hmm. you up, right? They got, they're heartbroken too. Nobody likes that. So I go out there, and then all of a sudden, this rally starts again. Yeah. Right? So here's my rant. Here's how it starts. It starts with a white dude, a white panther, walks up. He's disoriented. He asks, which way to Six Mile? He asks uh, of a black man standing beneath the marquee of the Good Stop liquor store on McNichols Road. The liquor shop was located a few doors down from the scene where police had shot and killed uh, an armed black man days prior. The man had tried to kill police first, body cam video shows. You're on Six Mile, the black man said with astonishment. It's called McNichols in the city and Six Mile in the suburbs. A crowd of mostly young people was now gathering at the corner of McNichols and San Juan Drive for a vigil honoring the dead black man, his name, Hakeem Littleton. How do you lead a black movement with hardly no black people, wondered a guy named Todd Smith, who lived in the area. <laughs> no doubt their intentions were pure to themselves, these inscrutable white bourgeoisie wearing yoga shorts and carrying chain purses outfitted in Doc Martens and tattoos. Because racial brotherhood is a noble thing after all. But the black people from the neighborhood saw them as bored middle class tourists in search of escape from routine, anxiety, and mom's hang-ups. In the view of the struggling black working class, these outsiders knew nothing of them or their place. Not even the fact that McNichols is Six Mile and Livernois is the avenue of fashion. The outsiders did not bother to introduce themselves to the insiders, much less ask what it is they wanted before deciding to rally at the foot of their block. And that's where the rub lays. They're not just here, they're just here for something to do, said a guy named Stephen Coachman, who is an auto worker and who lives in the area. They don't 
know. You hear what I'm saying? They don't know. And they'll never know. The neighborhood is not talking about the injustice of Littleton's death at the hands of police. Because they too saw Littleton level a handgun at police and fire. Except they saw it in real life. As Smith told me, to tell you the truth, any of us in that situation would have lit him up too. At the end of the day, I'm going home. Same feeling the police got, I'm sure. It was, police sources tell me, people from the neighborhood who fingered Littleton and his friend, Darnell Sylvester, as possible suspects in an Independence Day mass shooting at a block party on San Juan. A shooting that left three people dead and six people injured. Do any of you remember hearing about that one? Me neither. One body lay in the driveway next to the home of Gwendolyn Rogers, a General Motors retiree. You see here, this is a working class neighborhood, not some crazy drug shoot neighborhood. Regular people, regular neighborhood. She said there were no police that night checking in. No police at a block party. Then it took police a whole week to come out to investigate. Can you believe that? We might all be lost in America, but our children don't have to be. We have to do better. That's what she says from her neighborhood where she lives. And nobody's asking. The injustice the neighbors do talk about is the injustice of their lives. The lack of park space on the west side of Livernois for the kids. The no good schools that are falling apart. The dead tree limbs that lay on the hell strip. The city refusing to come and pick them up. The paucity of grocery stores. The desert of health care. Nobody speaks for me, Coachman told me. We don't need them making trouble. We don't want buildings to burn. We have to live here. We don't want that 60s shit anymore. That's what the neighborhood said, not me. Coachman drifted from his porch toward the weird shifting scene on the corner. White suburban gorillas with a personal investment of virtually nothing on one side. On the other, black men wishing to speak for themselves and being heard by almost no one across McNichols those who were presuming to fight in his name. Move the fuck on, is what Coleman shouted. One of the few black leaders approached him, attempting to reason. The hearts are in the right place, brother. We need our white allies. Unconvinced, Coleman barked it again. Go the fuck home. Then came the high, haughty response from white privilege. You go home. The thing is... He was home. <laughs> I love that, Charlie. Yeah. I do, because that's what a lot of people have been thinking and not saying. You took the time to actually get it from these folks. I mean, everybody's wondering this. Like, who are these people? Where did they come from? You know, I saw an interview with one lady. She was in one of the mar- She didn't even know why she was there. So is it boredom? Is it just an opportunity to try to connect with something because they don't have anything else to do? And they don't know the people. They don't know the neighborhood. They don't know the struggle. And they don't know what the concerns are. It's like, let's just march and make it look good and be in the camera shot. For some, you're right. And look, I can even get down with that. Some do. Some do, right? Like, some know. But like, like Co- Coachman was saying... You don't know, no. You don't know. You, there's no way you can. You're not from it. So, uh, but I, 
this isn't meant to pick on him. This is, this is words from the neighborhood. I'm sort of a conduit. It's good for you, man. You, you, you want to stand up. You want to help your fellow human. It's good. But you're missing something. While you're there, take the time. Now, now you got an opportunity. Now, believe me, think of, think of what my job is or what I love to do in my life. You're continually walking up to strangers. It's, it's a weird feeling in, in the nicest areas, you know, much less war zones or a place where, where a man was killed and people were shot. Take the time and learn something. You're, you're going too fast. I know your heart's in the right place, but I, I know some of you are bored. Take the time. And then it's, it's going to be better. Yeah. But the other thing, too, Charlie, is if you think about when the complexion of this city started to change, that was also the issue that people had with the quote unquote new Detroiters, that they weren't coming in trying to meet the people who have been here all along. Ah. They weren't speaking to the neighbors. They were coming in on the pretense that they were saving the city and that the city couldn't survive without their presence or participation. And that was the problem. And wow. like I said before, don't wear a Black Lives Matter T-shirt if you're afraid to speak to a black person. Like, there's some connectivity there. There's a disconnect that will prevent or compromise any legitimacy of whatever your platform or whatever your protest is driven by. If you're sincere, great, more than welcome. But this city has struggled, but it survived long before these people got here. I personally it don't. It will continue to. Can you make it better? Sure. But it's a collaborative effort. Nobody has an S on their chest and we aren't looking for anybody with a cape. I personally don't understand protesting that particular police shooting when the guy shot at him. And I would bet any of those neighbors were happy that that was dealt with. Well, nobody wants to see that. Right? No, of course not. So let's just no. But he just did. Someone, he did shoot up a block party. So I'm sure well, I would maybe, believe. Maybe, maybe. See, let's let's just you know. No, you got to I know you look. Get get the shot. Get the Joey. Well, get the shot. Get sure. his face. Okay, he allegedly shot up. A no, block. no, no. The police were investigating. This is important, bro. I, okay. I know because. Okay, let me rephrase there's it. There's people not agreeing. I'm sure with they're it. happy the police were investigating. They, it. Yeah, and they were mad. It took a fucking week. And he's the but he's the one that pulled the gun. Oh, for sure. I don't understand where where the protest aspect. He pulled the trigger in there. Many times he pulled the trigger. Yeah. These are facts. Oh yeah, before he was yeah. As shot as Todd out. was saying, I would have done it too. I will tell you what, I would have done it too. Well, yeah. So you know, well, now we're parsing. A citizen with a weapon would have done it as well. If you're standing there and you see somebody pull a gun and you are armed, you have a right to defend yourself and pull out a weapon and return fire. I mean, that's that's a natural. But this is the other thing too, Charlie. And anybody, every, community activists have said this. Police officers have said this. We don't have that level of tension with our police department here as you see sure. in other cities. It almost feels like there is a group that wants to create a tension yeah. and a contingency that's not here. Yeah. That's not our issue. Our issues are underpaid officers. Our issues are things for our kids to do. Our issues are the are, are the abandoned houses that, that never get torn down. Our issues are making sure our kids get in school. Our issue is not the relationship that we have with our police department. It's just not. I, I, I said a million times, go to City Hall. You mentioned demolition again. They're going to tack it on your house and you have no real idea. Right? Your issue, mar march on the media. Yeah. Mar march to the newspapers. Why, why does the free press not have somebody covering police full time? Now it's exposed. Yep. Come on. 
We can all do this together. But going down there, bringing your kids, right? Well, it becomes an event. Oh, fuck. And you know what? People in the neighborhood are scared the shit's going to light up. They want justice. They yeah. want justice. They want change. But they're not sure some fucking stranger's going to get it for them. <laughs> yeah. No. So we they said... Are. They're not. These people know the police. It's again, it's not perfect. Nobody's claiming that it is. The police aren't claiming that it is, and residents aren't claiming that it is. That's not what's happening. But that contentiousness, that tension, that dislike, that distrust does not exist. That's why we haven't seen that kind of, you know, the the, the same concerns that you see in other areas uh, around the country. That's not here. Like Charlie said, we have issues that we can fight. That's not one of them. And so, you know. Yeah, it's the thing. I don't look. I don't think the police are doing enough, and I don't think we're going to get them to come out of the shadows with less money and all this shit going on. I was astounded. Actually, believe it or not, they they went trying to solve this shooting. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you actually did some police work. Cop tells me we got a duty. Maybe that sounds corny to you, but it's true. There's guys like that. So dude pulls out gun. Hey, I'm going to bring in for questioning, man. You got a narcotics warrant. Asshole walks up. Come on. A bad shooting's a bad shooting, and I always fight those. I'm still trying to get videotape. I bring it up every now and then. Talking to the police commissioner last night. I want Derek Driver's video. Nobody then said a fucking word. Nobody. The chief said he deserved to be shot in his own home, in his own couch, in the dark, because the police did a no-knock warrant. I don't know. Show me the footage. None of you, none of you fuckers on Six Mile and San Juan tourists were, were with me on that one. Focus! McNichols. <laughs> Look, here's a way to remember it. Mc, <laughs> what I say. We're Six Mile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> six is, it's like this. Here's how you remember. Mick, McNick, Six. McNick, we six. know, Charlie. We don't have to remember I'm anything. I'm just trying to Clue in my suburban brothers and sisters. Well, then write a book and give them a, a, a I checklist. did. It's called Detroit American Autops. You can go to Amazon.com and don't forget, fix the shit. The Drew and Mike store.com. Is, that, is that right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Beautiful. Um, so we sent a real Detroiter, Detroit Red, comedian Detroit Red, to ask Detroit itself whether you want more police or less police. So forget the cable shows. Forget the suits and the talking heads and the professors and the criminologists. What do the people want? He talked to about a dozen. He gave me a long one. I go, edit it down, dude. So here's Detroit Red on the streets of Detroit. What up, though? This is your boy, Comedian Detroit Red. We out here again asking folks how they feel about the police and defunding them and if they agree or disagree. What's your name today, sir? Uh, they call me Dennis Amenis. Okay, Dennis Dimenez answered that like you owe some child support. <laughs> you, you tell me how you feel. First of all, do you like the police? Nah, nah, I, don't, I mean, I mean, the police, they do their job when they, you know what I'm saying, but other than that, no, nah, I don't, I mean, you know, certain police officers is cool, but I don't vouch for all, you know. Let me ask you this. Do you believe in defunding the police department? Um, well, first and foremost, um, I got nothing but the utmost uh, respect and support for the Detroit Police Department. No, I'm going to have to go with what the brother said. Uh, we need the police department, especially as the urban city. Uh, defunding is not the answer. Uh, 
re uh, reorganization. That's what we need to work on. Do you agree with? Uh, actually, I don't vouch. Uh, sorry, I don't vouch for none. I don't vouch for no police, but I respect the ones that be out there really actually trying to do their job though, to my community though. All police officers uh, are not bad cops, you know what I'm saying? We had some good ones that was born and raised right here in the city of Detroit. Yeah. Now, for a lot of folks that don't know what defunding would actually do, give them an example. Like, do they? I don't think people realize if you take away more police, that means less police there to handle the problem. <laughs> the police got a job. It's their job to police the city of Detroit, right. to serve and protect. No, I, I, me and my friends, we've been talking a little bit. For example, there was a protest just over here on uh, Seven Mile the other day, and they came out like with armored trucks and riot gear. That costs a lot of money. Defund that. So do you agree with the new movement to defund the police? Nah. Okay, so. Stop militarizing the police is what we're saying. Okay, so you actually do know you saying don't take out money and make less officers. You say, hey, they ain't got to act like they the U.S. Army up in here. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> because uh, if a motherfucker, if we, we define the police, then what we going to have out here? A lot of wild animals, right? Our community police shouldn't need armored trucks and bazookas. Yeah, you're right. I think a bazooka is a bit much for a traffic stop. I, I know that. I know black. We know this. But in order, in true, in order for black lives to really matter and be 100 about it, we got to stop killing each other. Yeah. It's a damn shame that we. I'm turning on the 10 o'clock news and it's still we we still out here shooting each other. So we got to get back to that. You know what I'm saying? Before we can do start talking about uh, the police department or the police. The police got a job to do. Evidently. I mean, Detroit is off the hook. Who you gonna call when they break in your crib? Exactly. Who, who you know, what you can't call Joseph from up the street, though. <laughs> so, okay, well, you can, but then you end up uh, getting the police called on you, too. Yeah, that's how, exactly how that worked, though. You know what I'm saying? Well, as you can see. You wanna play this? Let, we went out to wait, the wait, street. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Talk to real. First of all, that was fucking great. That was excellent. Uh, red is a diamond in the rough. That here, is amazing. Uh, that's from Seriously. The, yeah. He's, oh, my God. Yeah, I love Red. Red's, he's a good guy. And it's it's almost doing like school, me and him, you know, like we're up late and I'm like, hey, Red, you know, this the fuck is a little bit long and shit. I was going to cut this end, but my, this I think we go with it. Let Red talk. Plus, I that's appreciate what, his transitions. He's, <laughs> he's look, got he, great transitions. We got to get him a windsock and stuff, right? But I'm, I'm glad he's got his own PPE and his face mask and his Budweiser knit <laughs> hat and shit. Beautiful. But let's see what Red right. wants to tell us. I got real opinions. I'm going to tell you, I've talked to about 12 people to do this piece. And quite frankly, I was really surprised at the results that I received. With all the big push to defund the police and the Black Lives Matter protests and protests all over the country for equality, I just knew that I would talk to a bunch of people that agreed with that theory of defunding the police. But to my surprise, mature citizens know that there is no way to have a civilization that's civilized without police. It's just no way to happen. And when you say defund, you're really saying take more money out of my police department so I have even less well-trained officers to help protect and serve, which leads to higher crime. 
which leads to more disruptive communities that can't progress and move forward. So, like I've always said from the beginning, and I'm saying to the end, we could use a reformed police system, but let's not take more money out of a problem that's already been drained and created even a bigger problem, which has led to a lot of unnecessary deaths and brutality. Get what the word defund means. Does not mean that it'll change anything other than giving you less. On that note, I'm about to get out of here. I'm Comedian Detroit Red. Hey, if anything else, love each other a little, respect each other a little, and I guarantee you things will get a whole lot better. Deuces! <laughs> Beautiful. Wow, Charlie. Jackpot. <laughs> well said. That dude's like... That dude's like the East Side Walter Cronkite. <laughs> and that's the way it was. But you know, he's not afraid to talk to people. That's always a plus. You yeah. cannot get an accurate, you know, cross-section of what's going on if you're very selective about who you talk to. Talk to the people that everybody else overlooks. That's that's That was one of your advantages, Charlie. Um, and, and, he, and he puts it the way it is. So he's he's up, he's giving uh, Trevor Noah a run for his money, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, that, that dude on uh, Comedy Central. Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Did that guy grow up here? No. no. Well, he didn't, was, he not give me uh, anything for my money. Because he's a comedian, but he always has a, a, a good political perspective. He weighs in on, you know, issues. Uh, so I do I, think, that's, uh, the, the comedic and the political alignment. I do think Detroit think Red is, uh, is a better comic than Trevor. Yeah, and Detroit Red <laughs> gets him. off his ass and goes where... He makes where, me laugh. Where, like, nobody in media goes, which yeah. is to the neighborhood. So He's a smart dude. He is. We got a lot red. Nice job, bro. And um, like Red said, Karen, I think this is the end of the show, Mark. Karen, mannequin. Try to love one another just a little bit, and it'll get a whole lot better. Pretty easy. Keep going, Karen, if this fits you. <laughs> I'm your pusher, man. <laughs> Till next week. Hey, Karen. Yes. I'm going to have a funeral mass for my brother-in-law in in, uh, two weeks. I won't be here. Mark and I got you covered. Should we have Red sit in with you? Yeah. We'll try. I don't know about sitting in. We'll figure it out. (laughs) I love you. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Love you too, guys. See you. Thanks. I'm your pusher, man. Stop!
Thank you. 